about a month ago, I had the opportunity uh, to take a trip of a, of a lifetime. I had a friend who's pastoring over in London right now and invited me uh, to come over and stay with him if I just get a plane ticket. And so I, I took him up on that. And the, the place where he and his wife are, are staying is just about a half mile off the Thames on the south end of London. The, the Thames River flows through uh, north and south London and, and divides those two. And so it was every bit of a, of a 10 minute double-decker bus and then what they call tube, our version of subway ride, to get to the palaces of Westminster, which are commonly known as uh, Parliament. And when you walk out of Westminster Station, you're coming out from underground, they're pretty deep. When you get out to the top, the first thing that you see is that clock, well known as Big Ben, even though Big Ben isn't actually the clock, it's the bell behind the clock. But you have that kind of iconic image where the, the Palace of Westminster is. Westminster Hall is there, which is the old and surviving um, part of that palace. If you've seen you know, the movie Braveheart, that's the building where William Wallace was tried. It's also the building where Charles I, the only king of England, was tried and the only king to be executed by his own people in 1649. If you'll go around that square, you'll see on one end uh, the Tower of Elizabeth, where the clock tower is. On the other end, you'll see uh, the Tower of Victoria, and right next to Victoria is the place where royalty enters. It's the arch there. The only time those gates are open is when kings and queens come to address Parliament. And as you go around the, the square, what is known as Parliament Square, you will see statues of people who have had a significant part in English history. And so you'll see statues of famous figures well-known, but the two I was most interested in was Winston Churchill, who um, many know led the UK through World War II, some of the darkest hours of that, when many men and women rose to their finest hours amid the darkest hours. And then someone who I did not expect there, there was also a statue of Abraham Lincoln, who, as you know, led us through some of the darkest days of the United States when brother was fighting against brother, father against son during the, the Civil War. And I began to, to walk through that area and walk through the gardens that, that are next door, just thinking about you know, the state of the affairs in the world today and where we are and the, the, the two presidential candidates that, that, that we have right now and just where our society is in general. And I really believe there's one thing missing today. You may say there's a lot of things missing, but I really think it just comes down to one. We have forgotten what it means to have humility. We've forgotten what it means to practice humility, to walk in humility. A lot of people think that, that humility is just whenever somebody gives you a compliment saying, all, all shucks, I'm not all that great, but it, it's really not that. In fact, it's recognizing that everything in your life you have is a gift from God and it all belongs to Him and you're just a steward of what He's given to you. And when you begin to look at life from that perspective, that it's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about any of us, it's about others, it's about Him, it begins to change how you look at the world. Jesus talks about this in Luke 14 and beginning in verse 7. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. 
But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Exalt yourself and you'll be humbled. Humble yourself and you'll be exalted. We know two things are true this morning. You will either be humble before God, or you will be humbled by God. You will either walk humbly before Him now, or one day when Philippians chapter 2 tells us that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you can do that willingly, or you can do that unwillingly, but one day you will declare who Jesus is. Scripture is very clear on that. And humility is either something that God does through you, or He does to you. And it's your choice. And I want you to look at, at, at how this is phrased. This is unique in the Scripture. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that the proper time He may exalt you. Humble yourself. Now that's interesting in Scripture because most of the things that we do in the Bible we can't do by ourselves, can we? I don't know anybody in this room, I can't save myself. I can't baptize myself. I can't heal myself, but I can humble myself. And it's only when I recognize that what God has done for me will I truly be able to do this. I like what Jerry Bridges says in his new book, The Blessing of Humility. To humble oneself under the mighty hand of God is to submit to and accept even adverse providential circumstances from God. So in the ancient world, when you sat at a table, these tables were U-shaped. And the guest of honor, or the person who was the master of the house, sat at the foot of this table. He sat in the middle. And the people who were on either side of him were considered the guest of honor. And the scripture tells us in this parable that apparently people jockeyed for position. I don't know if you've been to a baseball game, or if you've been to a concert, or if you've flown Southwest Airlines before. But if you get in line early enough in some of these venues, if you get there early enough, it's open seating. I remember this very well on the speech and debate team. We flew Southwest a lot in college. And if you got there early enough, you got a good seat. And you wanted to make sure to try to put your bag in the middle seat so nobody could get on you. If you preferred a window seat or an aisle, you could get that. But many times there was a rush to get to the seating. You know what that's like. And here Jesus says this is exactly what's happening. They want to get to the best seats. Maybe these seats have better cushions than the other ones. Maybe there's better conversation that goes on there. But by any means, these guests are trying to get to these seats of honor when they should have allowed the master of the house to do the honoring. And there's a big difference here because it's the difference between being honored and being shamed. And in a Near Eastern culture, everything in your life, your reputation is staked on your sense of honor and it is vilified by your sense of shame. Humble yourself and you'll be exalted. Exalt yourself and you'll be humbled. It's an equation for us. I think about this sometimes when we have a fellowship meal. I don't know if it's just tradition that's been passed down, but a lot of times people will say, well, 
preachers go through the line first. I don't know if because they're worried that we eat too much and maybe we should just go ahead and clear out. I was kind of confused last week when we didn't have any chicken at the meal. You know, what are you going to do as a, as a Baptist? But I, I'm always very hesitant to, to, to do those things because of what Jesus says. The first will be last and the last shall be first. He who would be servant among you must first make himself servant unto all. And understand what people are trying to do. They're trying to give you the place of honor, but I'm thinking to myself, I want to eat, but I want to go to heaven too. And can you do both at the same time? And, I, and I've often wondered, what if we took that passage quite literally, I think as Jesus intends us to, and applied that to the fellowship meals together, where nobody wants to get first in the line and we all sit there for an hour? I think somebody would probably break that. Jesus talks about this again with the disciples when they're arguing among themselves over who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says it is very likely not the person you would ever think about being there. All other character traits, Jerry Bridges tells us, in one way or another, are built upon love and humility. Humility is the watchword for every believer, and it's a strange character trait because the moment you think that you have it is the moment that you lose it. It's the opposite of human nature because the more successful you become and the more stuff you have, the harder it can be to maintain. He says later on, the Scripture, clothe yourselves in humility. Hopefully you walk outside of your house with clothing on. We can't really tell this day and age. It's a different culture. Hopefully you walk outside of your house with clothes on. The Bible says don't leave your house without being clothed in humility. Your humility or lack of humility, is directly in proportion to how you view God. How you view God will determine whether or not you are a humble person. This is what Isaiah 66.2 says, This is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Isaiah 57.15, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of of the contrite. And until you see salvation as a gift and not as a right, you'll never understand the true nature of humility. We have to realize this, that God owes His blessing and His favor to no one. And so when He bestows it, it is the highest honor you can have. Humility is the proper response to grace. And whenever you think that you deserve something, how easy it is to forget about the one who deserved everything but gave it all up on your behalf. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might be rich. He humbled Himself became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. I wonder sometimes if this isn't our attitude in church. Where we almost view church more like a country club than we do the house of God, thinking if we pay our dues and if we show up, then people owe us something. It really ought to be the opposite. The reason that we come to church is because we realize that God or no one else on this planet owes us anything, and yet He has freely given us all things. 
It's the opposite of what Nebuchadnezzar did, the great king of Babylon who looked out over Babylon, the city one day in Daniel chapter 4, and he said, this great Babylon that I have built, this Babylon that I have put together with my own hands. And God said, this day, Nebuchadnezzar, you will spend the next seven years of your life living like a dog. You'll find out who the true king is. So when Nebuchadnezzar regains his voice after seven years, he says, let me tell you something. (laughs) The God of the Israelites is the one true God. And he who is proud, he is able to humble. So you'll either be humbled before God or you'll be humbled by God. And you'll recognize that not only does humility affect how I relate to God, it also affects how I relate to others. How I treat others has a direct impact on how God treats me. I will be merciful to those who are merciful. I will have compassion on those who have compassion. When I no longer have to get my way, when I put others before myself, this is the spirit of humility. Philippians 2.3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what makes all the difference in the world for you? This will make you or break you in your life, I promise you. Whether or not you have a teachable spirit. Because if you don't have a teachable spirit, you're not Christ-like. Even Jesus Himself, very God in the flesh, listened to and was obedient to the voice of His Father and said, I came not to do my own will, but the will of my Father. How do you respond when others confront you? How do you respond when others do something that doesn't go your way? How do you respond when somebody offends you? Because it's very telling about where your walk with God is. If every time someone confronts you, you're defensive and you don't want to hear what they have to say and you won't speak to them again, be careful. Even our offenses can often reveal our our, our lack of, of humility because we get offended at our own pride and our own honor. He says we have to be people who are submitting to one another, voluntarily doing so. I want you to think about something that's the opposite of the culture we live in today. What if God was using your humbling to bring about the greatest glory of Him in your life. What if it's not God's will for you to be rich or successful or famous in the eyes of the world? What if He gets more glory out of you in your weakness than in your strength? And if you do achieve some measure of worldly success, you better pay attention to what Proverbs 27.2 says, let another praise you, not your own mouth, stranger, not your own lips. We live in a world today that is caught up in bragging and boasting, especially in Western society, where everybody wants to talk about how great they are. 
Sometimes you find this in the church where somebody will say how great they are and, or how great God is and how great they are too. <laughs> We've all been there. Here's the thing about Jesus. He never asks you to do anything for Him that He hasn't already done for you. He will never ask you to do anything on His behalf that He hasn't already done on your behalf. And anything that He's given you to do, He will enable you to do. You're the plug, but He's the power source. I think sometimes we walk around as believers with matchsticks and we got dynamite underneath us. The power of God. But humility is what is going to make the difference for us. All of us have flaws that we can't see, but humility is what recognizes our humanity. Over the past couple of months, we've reflected on on, on kind of where we've been as a church these last few years. It's been a a time of of transition for us, perhaps a time of, of transition that we haven't known in maybe a generation between a new building and a new campus and new staff transitions and I believe the Lord has, has blessed us with that. But, but I've also sought to reflect on relationships, decisions that I've put before the church, and proposals that have been made. And I've just been sorely convicted on my utter lack of humility sometimes. I think sometimes you can get caught up with you know, a building or trying to reach people for God and trying to do it in, a, in, a, in an honoring way and forget about the people who were there that you're called to, to shepherd and you're called to love. And I, I just want to say something to you. If it has been a period where I have said something that, that has offended you or I haven't listened to what you have to say, I just want to apologize for that. And I'll just tell you in the future, you, you and I may not always agree on everything. I don't always agree with myself. But if you are following the Lord, I will always listen to what you have to say. I want you to know that. I remember my pastor praying on Saturday mornings at, at prayer breakfast, and we had it once a week. And um, I went with my dad, and maybe everybody else went with pure motives for the prayer. As a 10-year-old, I went for the breakfast. I was excited about wherever we were going to go on a given day. I remember gathering around together in a group and getting on our knees, and my pastor asking God to forgive him for his wicked heart. This is the greatest man I knew. I thought if his heart is, wis- is wicked, mine is, is desperately so. But I think that's the point of where you arrive the closer you get to God. The more that you see your flaws, the more that you realize your need of Him, the more that you see what God has done on your behalf, and you're humbled and in awe by that. It's the difference between the prayer of the Pharisee, who says, Lord, thank You for all these great things. Thank You that I'm not like the tax collector. And the tax collector who doesn't try to justify his actions, doesn't try to explain it away, he just says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Bible says that God will honor that prayer of a tax collector far more than he will honor the self-righteous prayer of the Pharisee. Because we forget that when it comes to the banquet table of the Lord, and when it comes to the guest seats of honor, you and I didn't receive an invite from the people who were there. The people who were supposed to have the seats didn't get them. And Jesus calls to us and He says, I have reserved you a seat 
at the marriage supper at the Lamb. And when you and I were at the back of the line, Jesus bids us come to His table and to share in His communion. And He says, if you're hungry, eat. And if you're thirsty, drink. And if you're weary, come and find rest for your souls. And the reason Jesus says that you have to come as a child is because the children don't come in pride. They come depending on their Father. And if we are going to be the people of God that He has called us to be, we are going to have to come in humility. We are going to have to get on our knees. And we're going to have to recognize that anything God does among us will be for His glory and for His honor, for His praise. He humbled Himself. And so must we. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.